Hi, Navneet. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. And as you can see, we've got people who have joined us from all over the globe, which is fantastic. Would you like to give us a quick introduction on yourself? Because obviously I kind of headhunted you to try and get a chat <laughs> which you were very kindly. And I'll just also say to those listening, Navneet is joining us in Dubai, and there is a slight time delay on her Wi-Fi network today. So it's not too bad, but just bear with us if there's a split second pause. Navneet, do introduce yourself. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. And um, hi to everyone from wherever you're joining us today for the conversation. So uh, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, what, whatever works <laughs> wherever you are. Um, and we are truly global, which is which is amazing that we are able to, you know, bring ourselves together to discuss these this topic and everything else that Catherine and team have been putting together in this series of Data Speak webinars, it's just phenomenal. Phenomenal, and I was so excited to be part of it. And actually, to be honest, I joined this link an hour ago, of course, because I I think misconstrued the time zones. But at the same time, I was so excited to just begin speaking about it. But you just couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. Uh, okay, so taking cue from why I couldn't wait, I have been a thorough data management, data governance professional for over 15 years now. I started my career or my journey in data with data warehousing because that is what was cool 15 years ago, if you can imagine. Uh, and then it gave way to big data and data lakes. It was all about visualizations next. And then suddenly it was all about data science um, and data insights, AI, ML, and all the cool stuff. However, while I saw that journey for other folks, for me, it was much more important to see a common theme underneath, which was, you can say data or dirty data, just to be very, very, you know, aligned to what we are talking about today. And that is what made me I would say passionate about it a lot more. So when I think about data, I'm not only thinking visualization, I'm not only thinking what goes in my lake, how do I model it for my machine learning tools, et cetera. But to me, data is data. Data is at the heart of everything that is happening around me. And that has made me um, still continue growing in this space. So this to me is a phenomenal, phenomenal space to be in. It is all that people talk about, of course, the ones who understand it. And the others always have an opportunity to learn about it. So to me, it, it's, it's something that I call uh, myself as data passionate. You can call me a data champion. I've been the CDO for a few clients that I've worked on uh, with. So I, I've played multiple roles today. As I speak to you, I'm part of a broader data management and governance community. Um, I'm currently working with Accenture as a strategy principal director. So that's what I do for a living. Uh, but even with my laptop shut, uh, I can't shut off when I see what I see, when I see data. And to me, data is everywhere. So yeah, that, that in crux would explain to you the point of view that I'll bring to data quality as a conversation as well. Because to me, uh, wherever you have data, there is quality linked to it, and you have quality issues that go just unfortunately hand in hand with it, which which makes my you know <laughs> living very easily. I continue to make make a dime out of it. So yeah, it kind of pays my. <laughs> I'm happy about it. I think, I think that's the most <laughs> excited overview on data I have ever heard. I love it. Wonderful. Thank you, and thank, thank you again, you. everyone. So I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yes. I mean, when people say to me, what do you do? And I say, I get involved in dirty data. I tend to get a very blank look. <laughs> <laughs> and they um, change the subject. But never mind. Oh, no, that was brilliant. Thank you for that intro. It was fantastic. Sure. What we're going to do now, uh, as you can see, well, you can see a couple of the streams. I'm going to kick mm -hmm. off with a couple of questions that we had earlier, as it were. And I'll keep an eye on the screen and, and see the questions that we get. Uh, from our audience today and Wonderful. hopefully they're good ones. So uh, the first question I've got for you is from Marcus in Ireland. I'm not sure if it's the same Marcus who's online with us now. Uh, if it is, hi Marcus. If it isn't, then when you're watching this, hi Marcus. Um, bad data affects 54% of customer relationships, 30% finance, 66% marketing and 80% lead generation. Why do you think companies are still struggling with dirty data? So there's some hmm. statistics been taken there, obviously from Marcus. I don't know where those statistics are from, 
But it's still a, a good question. Why do you think knowing this kind of statistical information that companies are still struggling? Yeah. And I'm so happy that that's the first question that we picked. Because what I really want to talk about at the get-go is what confines dirty data, right? We all understand it's all about data and everybody likes to talk about data and data is the new oil. But would you live with bad quality oil? You wouldn't, but you live with bad quality data. So yes, data is the new oil, but it's not treated anywhere close to how oil is treated in our economies, right? It's a currency. It's it's the quality. You want to fly a plane, you need super saturated, super high quality fuel. But if you are driving an organization, which is a world-class organization, do you do it without bad quality data? No, they all have bad quality data. So yeah, data is the new oil, maybe in a few years down the line when we solve the problem of dirty data. Anyway, coming back to those statistics. Statistics like such and many others are, are actually available because people keep on doing these researches and putting out these numbers out there for us to know and give data the due importance that it requires. But to me, companies continue to deal with dirty data because they don't understand what they need to fix. As I said, you had a data warehouse to begin with, which came from flat files and Excel sources. So you saw you thought that putting a data warehouse would solve your issue. Then you thought taking that data into a data lake will solve that issue. <laughs> data will solve that issue. But none of them have been really solving that issue. Why? Because we are not recognizing the issue of dirty data. To me, as I said, and again, this is this is something that I've actually been practicing more recently, that when people say I have a data quality issue, I, my first question to them is, what is the issue? Is it the data which is incorrect? Is it stored incorrectly? Is it being transferred incorrectly? Is it being uh, managed by the wrong people? Is it being shared in the wrong way? What is your quality issue really? For example, a report with a metric being wrong doesn't start there. It actually starts all the way back to how the data was sourced, stored, transformed, shared, applied into some sort of a performance indicator, and then showed on the dashboard. But when we look at the dashboard, we say, oh, this, this dashboard has quality issues. The dashboard itself doesn't have quality issues. The issue started way, 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 way before that. Similar to that statistic, there was a statistic around um, vendors being duplicated. When you have vendors uh, that are onboarded onto procurement systems, they are entered in a very, I would say, non-governed way. And even mature tools like Ariba wouldn't do a lot of contextual data cleansing. So now I have a vendor with a certain name. I have a vendor with almost similar sounding name, but somebody else entered it. So now I'm supposed to give a purchase invoice to two people who actually are the same company. To me, that's dirty data. But that's dirty data from the very beginning. It's not the invoice that was wrong. But what we get to hear is, oh, the invoicing system doesn't work, right? So to me, when you say why companies continue to deal with dirty data, even after knowing that there's a huge cost around it, is because they are not able to identify what they really truly need to fix, to actually fix it. If they knew and if they had people to help them make them aware, they would fix it at the source. Nobody wants to live with it. But that is where we are and that is why we are talking about it today. Absolutely. And I, I also do like your analogy on oil and data. Dora, who we talked to last month, for those that saw that webinar, had some fantastic analogies as well. I, I love yeah. these because it, it's such a good way of putting things for people to understand in context uh, what we mean. So I've got another good analogy out of you and I will save that one for use. <laughs> Wonderful. So I hope that answers your question, Marcus. Feel free to type if you're online. Um, if you've got any further questions on that one, I'm going to go straight over to Linda in Switzerland. Hi, Linda. I hope it's not too freezing over there when you're watching this webinar back later. Uh, what are the most common examples of dirty data to you? Wow. Now you're asking me to pick my favorites, you know? <laughs> or common, not your favorite. <laughs> Well, <laughs> potato, potato, you know. <laughs> okay, what are the most common examples of dirty data? Now, 
if i were to tell you that the most incorrect data would be around people information like personal information about people like their names uh, addresses age uh, even things like gender i i wouldn't be i would say i wouldn't be over exaggerating to me you know because irrespective by the way of the industry that you pick the first problem that you're always asked to solve is how do i make or how do i have a clean list of my customers how do i have a sanitized list of my citizens how do i have the best in class list of my users uh, if it's a product so to me um, that's the most common example of most dirty data ever and that is thematic to all organizations that you go to i'm yet to go to a client uh in my 15 years of experience who says i have the best and the cleanest list of customers let's go from there let's look at what else could you clean because you go back and the first thing that they say you know first <laughs> names are blank and the last names are alphanumeric and uh the titles are misspelled and the address information is incorrect which is so thematic in nature that industry products have just made it an offering so anything to me right now which is common is what you would find as a product offering in your quality tools you know because that is so common and thematic in nature and the second thing that i feel is so common is what we call as reference data in the data world which is uh, data that helps categorize other data right for example list of countries um the list of cities in a country the possible values of currencies uh your financial hierarchies etc uh whether you follow the metric system or not follow the metric system but again these are global universal truths you know nobody can invent a list of country there is an iso list for list of countries and yet clients would not follow it they would have their own list of countries that they would follow and now you're surprised you know when you don't find the country that you're looking for maybe it's not the complete list and you never have a good answer so to me um two key themes again coming back to what i see as the most basic or common themes of data which is dirty one is always the information about people it could be your customer user citizen or any any other entity and then there is reference data which is a global truth reference data and yet it is not adopted you do you know that you've brought up something really interesting then hadn't really occurred to me and it was when you were talking about um the currencies and i get plenty of marketing emails um uh -huh. normally my name's spelt wrong but uh oh. that, that's normally <laughs> my fault because i type it in wrong um and the offers they send me are always in dollars yeah and the minute i see a marketing email talking to me in dollars yeah i know it's shipping from america So I'm going to try and look for somewhere in Europe that has that product because yeah. I don't yeah. want shipment from America because of the time delay because of that. Yeah. And um, so what you've just said then was really interesting because I hadn't thought of that but categorizing your customers in the currency based on yeah. where they are. Yeah. Would, exactly. For me if I see something an offer in euro I'm thinking it's coming from Europe and I'm interested in that offer. So exactly. I've got a bit of a takeaway on that one that I I will be talking to my clients about because <laughs> wonderful wonderful very interesting one Th thanks very much for that um mm -hmm. we've got oh Christine we've got a question from Christine Cod hi there Christine joined us for our last webinar and had some fantastic questions for Dora so your question from her today is what should companies do to reduce dirty data and improve quality i.e. actionable yeah. steps Yeah. I think that's that's uh very key and I'm going to refer to my quick notes okay because there's oh, so much that can be done. <laughs> okay. So now coming back to what do companies need to do to solve dirty data? I think the the first and foremost to me is the scope of dirty data itself. Identify the scope of your dirty data. Are you trying to fix it for 
let's say a dashboard for some KPIs that need to be reported, are you trying to fix it because it's been modeled incorrectly, which means it's a data modeling quality issue? Are you trying to fix it because it's a master data issue or it's the foundational information that you want to have in your company? Identify what are you trying to fix. That's your first step for success of fixing any quality issue. And right. then like it goes for a plumbing issue, let's say you have a leakage, a roof leakage, or whatever leakage that you may have, you do two, three things, right? And that is so true everywhere else. Let's go on with that analogy one more time. I love it, I love it already. I want <laughs> you to know what already. I'm going to do to fix okay. the leak first. Because exactly. I know what I'm going to do to fix the leak first. Phone down. Exactly. Exactly. It's that intuitive, right? Because dirty data oh is nothing God. but a leakage of information. So what do you do first? One, you do a short-term fix. Where is the leakage? What do you want to fix? And how will you fix it? So yeah, you, you put some sealant on it or you, you cover it with drugs or however you want to do it. That's your first step, which is the short-term fix. What do I do immediately to fix it? Second, how do I fix the plumbing behind it? Where did it happen actually? Why did it happen? Who caused it? Who didn't do their job well to actually have caused it? Is it the person who built the house or is it the person maintaining the house? Is it your tenant? Is it your, uh, is it a, a let's say, uh, how do I say, um, a rodent or something that caused the leak? It could be anything that caused the leak, but how do I fix the plumbing now? Now, once I have figured out how do I fix the plumbing, I have looked at the short-term fix. I have looked at the long-term fix. However, there is a third element now, which is, but there is still puddle of water sitting in my apartment. How do I then clean that up, which is nothing but your historical data. So you fixed your data, which was immediate. You fixed the plumbing, which stopped the leak for future. And now you need to fix historical data because that is also, of course, impacted by the same quality issue, maybe. And then finally, how will you ensure that next time around you find the leak sooner? which means what do you govern and monitor? And that is it. Apply it everywhere. It works for your plumbing issues and it works for your quality issues as well. I, I love it. Another great analogy. <laughs> Dean, I, I, I think that answers your question. Um, you've got a new MDM going ahead. That's great. Um, another fantastic analogy. <laughs> I, I was going to say, cool daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and by the way, People do that. The moment they find a leak, you'd call, pick up your phone and call somebody to complain about it. But, you know, it doesn't work. And hence, the analogy still holds true. You call daddy, the daddy would scream at you, right? And that you is can't like, take care of your own house, then why do you want me to come in and fix it? You know, you go and figure what the plumber is doing, what is not doing, what it should do. Uh, that's ownership, by the way. Have you met my father? <laughs> <laughs> I've met mine at least. And that is exactly the way the conversation goes. Your house, your responsibility, your leakage, your issue. I'm done. You definitely know my father then. Yes. <laughs> I hope he's not watching today. Hi, Daddy. <laughs> Thomas, Thomas Green, uh, he's enjoying this session. Uh, how have you handled instance of data quality in your experience? Wow, great, great question. I think, and I'll tell you this by my experience, and I, I'm really hoping that people in this session can relate to it or whoever listens to this video ever again relates to it. You know, as you mature in this space of data management or data governance, your view of data quality continues to expand. When I started as a developer myself, doing those power center mappings and you know, connecting things and debugging workflows and mappings and sessions, to me, data quality was literally about putting a data quality rule, making sure the data quality rule applied the rule on the rows and the columns, spit out a result which was under the threshold that I had defined. And to me, that was data quality back then. But today, as as a leader in the organization who's trying to explain the importance of data quality to the client, my purview of data quality is all the way from modeling practices to the actual data quality and business rules to the metadata that goes behind the scene uh, to how analytics and dashboards need to be designed for it to privacy classifications. So it's all over 
the space of data management. And I think that has been a learning curve of itself. And to me, I think if there's one thing that you would take away from the session today, apart from the fun anal uh, analogies, is that data quality needs to be thought about in a very broad way so that you can actually do, do justice you know, to your organizations when you speak of data quality uh, as well. So now coming back to Thomas's your question, uh, how have I handled an instance of data quality? To me, there are so many such instances. You know, there are master data quality issues. There is reference data quality issue that I just spoke about. And this is, you know, a live example. I mean, uh, country and nationality, by the way, I, I don't want to get political, just a disclaimer out there. But Cook Islands is a country, but the nationality is still New Zealand. And to me, that is such a unique combination that if not done well, you'll invent a new nationality for people. And that shouldn't happen. So to me, that is a very crude, very simple, but very critical example of how that data quality relates to your reference data management as well. And when I look at any data set, you know, literally when I look at um, even metadata around me, how the tables and the columns are defined, to me, I can sense quality issues right there. Example, you have first name, which is 50 characters, and you have last name, which is 150 characters. For the life of me, I cannot imagine why it would be 50 and 150 or even 2,500, an arbitrary number that people put in their data models. To me, even that is a data quality issue, but at a metadata level. Similar issues uh, come up when you actually go into KPIs and the way KPIs are done. And by the way, you know, there is a very fun thing for KPIs now that I've touched upon it. Um, and Thomas, this is where it's not only about handling the instance of data quality, but how you question the data quality that has been reported to you, you know. And what I like to say is that it's it. I'll be so scared of something called as a watermelon KPI. It is green on the outside, but it's red on the inside. So your data quality KPI would show, you know, 100% match from the source and we are all good. But it's literally matching garbage in, garbage out. So yeah, it's 100% match. But is it the right information? Not really. So how do you actually judge is when you go one step deeper to really question what that KPI is doing. So to me, handling data quality issues, just to recap, is one, looking at the gamut of data quality first identifying what where is that problem or the issue that I'm looking at, and then understanding what has been reported when people monitored it, and, and then and questioning what is being monitored. Would you be, I mean, from, from what you said, would you be looking at how it's being cleaned as part of, yeah. I mean, you mentioned if you're matching good against rubbish against rubbish, you've got a match, but it's still a rubbish. Output. Exactly. Oh. And a simple example would be name information or anything that come, can come free text, right? So your name information is, let's say I put in my name as ABC. I put in, let's say in the webinar, I put in my name as ABC and you start calling me ABC. Yes. It's 100% quality, right? I mean, you're <laughs> exactly calling out my name the way it is. But is that the right name? course not i mean can be i don't know people are going crazy let's say oh, we, we, we've all had the we've all had the marketing email address to test <laughs> those are the most fun really? ones i have no clue whether i should take them seriously and or go solve their problem for them <laughs> you know <laughs> so listen, listen you need to talk to us because you're called test <laughs> exactly exactly Oh my God, that's true. I'm just looking at Marapi's comment here. Yes. Previously, I was working with spare parts data. We found many duplicate information due to lack of information. Yeah. Yes, that yeah. can again be a, a big problem. I can understand that one, Marapi. Example, the data was coming from the drawing and usually just a part number. And that can be a problem too, uh, can't it? You, you're finding duplicates, but there isn't any information that you can match on in in the first place. Yeah, yeah. So, and that that I'll answer in two parts, or I'll react to that comment in two parts. One, I think uh, Marapi, that's a very very valid comment that you've made uh, for two reasons. One, 
first when you look at quality i talked about all the areas that you should look for but there are defined dimensions to data quality well the most popular framework goes by six dimensions of accuracy completeness uh, consistency etc so there are six such dimensions which of course you can google you will find that easily so i'll not go into the dimensions itself in the interest of time but to me what you just talked about is the completeness dimension of the data quality which of course is critical otherwise of course partial information would result into something actually completely disastrous if you're talking spare parts because it's all machinery and stuff mm. now the second bit of my response on that comment is because i've 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 assisted one of our uh, key clients uh, to actually standardize their what they call as the item master which had spare parts information so on and so forth and there is a global code by the way that exists it's called a unspc code um and spsc code i feel um that literally defines how do you itemize your items in a in a master data fashion you know it comes with a unique code there is a codification method to it it's intuitive uh, you look at 01 it'll it'll mean something specific you look at 02 in the beginning it means something specific um and yet somehow we choose not to follow it not research it enough or not adopt it and i understand you know as organizations we may have reservations about it but the least that we could do is know that a standard globally exists and try and see if you can have a bridged version if not the same version at least a bridged version of a standard of such a standard apply in your organization and then of course you'll start to identify these gaps all the more clearly because that standard came with its framework and now because you have missing information a whole bunch of spare part codes cannot fit in that framework which means yeah there is a quality issue right there even if people didn't want to listen or agree with you they can't deny a universal standard unless again that comes to data literacy and data maturity of the organization but then uh, to me anybody who has joined in today is passionate about increasing that literacy otherwise you wouldn't join a topic called dirty data because well we know it exists we could ignore it as much but we are all here because we are in a way holding ourselves accountable to you know solve it and I, and i i would also add on that one mary p i don't know if you're still working for that organization or not but i talk to clients who are trying to match data and they don't have the information to be able to yeah. and they don't and you know they need to push back to their board and say no yeah. you're asking me to do something that is yeah. impossible because without yeah. the correct data how do you expect me to clean and match it, it it's <laughs> and yet they do you know oh, organize it off you go uh, and uh, sort out that data well actually i can't until i have the information i need i can't sort out that data so interesting one yeah and i know you know what you just said is so simple and you said it so um eloquently and yet 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 it is one of the toughest conversations to have <laughs> to say no and oh, and yes. i have had that and no because time. you have bad quality it's not only no it's no with yeah. the caveat that you have bad quality no it's you need to say this cannot be done i cannot match red against blank absolutely Can't. absolutely <laughs> Can't. doesn't happen <laughs> it's tough to push back sometimes it, you know it is yeah. to be fair i'm just going to oh we've got another question coming in from the youtube channel jan in australia gosh what time is it there jan you poor thing isn't it crack of dawn or late it, it is it is it either is. way jan i hope you're enjoying a glass of wine while you're watching this <laughs> uh and jan would like to know how does poor data quality affect downstream applications oh wow i'll start with a fun story um and this goes back to my kpi stuff okay and i'm picking kpi again because one it's part of the fun story and secondly because when we say downstream 
your analytical applications become one of the main downstream systems that typically organizations have. So you need those systems to work well. You want to have things like predictive analytics and self-service analytics, and yet we are not you know, really addressing what goes into that system, right? Anyway, I'll start with the fun story first. And this is true client conversation, by the way, Nothing is, uh, you know, men's. Name no names. I don't want to be sued. No names. No names. Definitely no names. I have a job to keep. Come on, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, and this again, I was I was a passive listener, huh? By the way, so so I'm I'm a neutral party. So this is client and the guy who created that da dashboard that the client was reviewing. And the conversation goes, oh, I see sales metrics, but it somehow seems like it's double of last quarter and looks like all the numbers are doubled. And the client says, oh, but I have a review meeting on this dashboard in 30 minutes with my leadership. So what can we do? And the guy is like trying to solve it. You know, we can go back, refresh the data set, look at what is causing it. But I don't think it will be done in 30 minutes. And the answer to that question from the client person was, I think it is double all throughout. Why don't we just divide it by two in the dashboard itself and just prepare it? And then we can fix it later. You know, and that to me is a story that stuck with me because, of course, the context was dashboards and KPIs, but we still end up doing such patch fixes. And this is like the crudest way of doing a patch fix, where you're doing a patch fix in a downstream system. You can't do that. You cannot do that. If you were fixing, doing a patch fix at the source, I would get it. I won't support it, but I would get it. I would get your sentiment. I would get your urgency. But you can't do it in a dashboard. You can't just divide by two. You know, it just doesn't work. But anyway, coming back to the question now with that fun story. Uh, well, it's 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 fun for me. I don't know if it was fun for you guys, but it, it, it's super fun for me. I actually, I relate to that more than you you know, but I can't oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So coming back to the question on the downstream systems. To me, there are two, down, two kinds of downstream systems that are core to having received good data. One is analytics for sure, whatever are your analytical tools. And second, just in the context of where we are headed out from here are the AI ML tools because your, your ML models or your AI models are literally based on tweaking and training the model. So if you feed it the right data, it will get trained the right way. If you feed it wrong data, of course, it will go in five different directions when you actually want to apply it to a real world use case. So to me, those are like real key uh, downstream use cases that I wouldn't want to expose to bad quality data. Of course, when I say analytical tools, I have covered a whole bunch of tools and the use cases that they need to solve. Um, but what I intend to say is anything which is user facing or anything that learns from data itself must be fed really high quality data. Yes, to I mean, totally agree with you. Uh, it's, downstream is one of those words that always uh, interests me because yes. I'm much more a beginner of starting at the end of the stream and working mm -hmm. back upwards uh, exactly. rather than allowing downstream to happen at all. Uh, <laughs> because <laughs> you don't know the impact that it's going to have. <laughs> so, oh, so my God. I've got one YouTube channel here. One second. Philip. Philip in the UK where it's covered in snow, as far as I'm aware. Um, <laughs> I know. It looks like really... We have a warm Christmas in Dubai. I, I miss the white Christmas. I, I love it with the... No, I, I, I like watching the, the white cocoa Christmas. and the trees and the cakes and the blankets and the sweaters. Oh, my God. I miss it in Dubai. No. That, that's why you watch it on the television and you go... Doesn't oh, that my God. Lovely? No way. <laughs> Doesn't that look lovely? And I'm not going anywhere near it. <laughs> so hopefully philip you're not freezing to death uh philip would like to know oh see this is a question that does uh come up in our webinars um 
to to all of our guests because the answer keeps being very different, which is okay. great. Uh, who, in your view, should be responsible for ensuring reliable data? Wow, I love this question. I love this question because how do I say? I don't that? think we've had the same answer in any webinar. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Again, I'm not trying to be sim same for sure, whatever that same answer is. Um, but I come from a very passionate place about data. And to me, let me start by saying the quality of data does not lie with IT teams. It doesn't lie with your technology teams. It cannot lie with your technology teams because technology teams understand data as an attribute, a value in the column of a table which is stored in the data model, which is connected through pipelines, and that is it. The quality, and again, as you mature in organizations, as you mature in the space, you'll realize more and more quality is very contextual. What is quality of first name? To me, maybe, let's say first names are not even important as an organization because I do something that doesn't require the first name of a person. So in that case, the quality of first name is not a priority. Of course, second names may be important and they need to be sacrosanct and I get it. But that is why to me, first of all, IT is not the owner of quality. They are the enablers of quality by providing the right tools and technology to govern it, to monitor it, to fix it in a sustainable manner. But the ownership of quality lies with the business. And I know it's not a very popular opinion, and people no, you, out when I say it. The business. Come on, scroll <laughs> down. <laughs> but to me, if as business I don't know my data, then nobody in the company knows the data as well. If I can't define how will I mention how many levels of spare parts information do I need to capture? There is no way a guy sitting in IT could do it for me. So to me, it's always about context and the rules that come from business as the owner to determine and govern the quality. Now, I'm not saying they have to do the actual, you know, manual stuff to get there. They don't have to actually do it, but they need to be accountable for it. And that is why the focus for me when I start looking at data quality is the focus of it is the business processes that it impacts. If you have bad master data, for example, if you have the wrong currencies fed into your system, of course, your financial reporting would be all over the place. But do you expect an IT guy to fix it for you? He cannot, even if he's more than willing to do it and uh, God bless him if he is, but he cannot because he wouldn't know what currencies to feed at the same time. So that context has to come from business, whoever you call business in your organization, it can be your chief data officer, it can be merely a data steward working, you know, in, in some context. Uh, but it definitely cannot be pure play technology folks, for sure. So it, you would say it's more who is impacted by it. So if it's absolutely, if it's exactly, then it needs absolutely. to be the marketing director that's taking that ownership. Because Absolutely. It's Absolutely. I think the only exception to this I can think of now that I've, that you've brought in the point of impact, I think the only exception to it would be things around platforms and the administrative controls. That may be still IT in terms of quality because they are the ones who are directly impacted by it. If they don't have the right encryption, if they don't have put in place the right controls for their platforms, the right cloud configurations, et cetera. That's the only place I can think that it will be really IT. But if you think about it, that's also business side of IT. It's not IT, IT still. It's the business side of the platform owner, the platform manager, the platform configurator. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, we have, there are issues when you were talking about first names, uh, perhaps not important in a regard, but surnames, very important. And again, we go back to the currency question. And yeah. the reason I say it is, as you know, I live in Spain and I have a first name, a middle name and a surname. Yeah. But in Spain, your second surname 
is how you are addressed. Mm -hmm. And so I am in the Spanish medical system as having a completely different surname that I never remember to listen for when I'm at the doctors because it's not my surname. <laughs> and there doesn't seem to be a way of me persuading them that my middle name is not my surname. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and that's where the con context comes in. And, uh, you know, and you know what I love? And again, of course, I have lived and worked with uh, so, so many clients, global, local, etc. And I continue to do that. Um, and each, each country is so unique. Mm. You know, so, so again, I, I am from India. Um, so I have an India unique identification number. I lived in the US. I have a US SSN number. Now I'm in UAE. So I have a UAE unique identification number and the other countries where I was more than a year or so. So I have like five or six of these IDs all over the place. To me, my biggest challenge today is that every time I go to a new country, I have to go through that entire process again. Why can't they link it all back to me? I'm like literally single person who's living, breathing. You can't duplicate me or maybe not yet. But then why can't you link it all together and read data from each other? I guess it's all privacy and everything. But to me, that's my biggest challenge today. And why do I have to maintain five copies of the same information applicable to each country separately? Which is the same problem that you have with your middle name, right? Your middle name is not relevant to you as much in your business interactions. No. But people don't understand that context all the time because to but them it, it's information. But it, can, it can become worrying because in the police system and in spain you must register with the police and in the police system i registered in person and oh, they got God. it correct because i was there saying this is my surname wow. however the medical system don't so if the police wanted to talk to the medical system about me i've got two names wow it's okay. it's not so, surprising but but now you see, right, wherever you see this, like to me, this is all data and data quality and the way it's yes. being shared and maintained. And why and are these two systems separate? Why can't they understand that I'm me? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's true. But that's, yeah. <laughs> there are no words. There are no there, words. There are no words. And by the way, it's not an easy solve either. So, of course, we are not oversimplifying. We are not being dramatic about it. We are not saying, oh, my God, this is the worst thing ever. It's actually not simple because it's all personally identifiable information and you just cannot reveal it. Even within two high-ranking government departments, you actually cannot share it. But no, there needs to be a consistency to collect the information, at least at a bare minimum. At least have that quality control in place. Yes. It is what it oh, is. It's true. So Thomas is saying, I will be showing my boss this webinar. Well done, Thomas. <laughs> You're obviously at the start of a journey. Call me if you need me. Um, but I'm wondering what's the strategy for getting started with cleaning dirty data? So perhaps an answer that uh, will help Thomas, hello, Thomas's boss, um, persuade his boss that he needs to get started. So how would you suggest he addresses that? Absolutely. And I think it is, although the question is so simple, to me to answer, it's, it's super loaded, you know, because Again, I can't pick my favorites. Do I fix the KPI first? Do I fix the model first? Do I fix the data warehouse first, data lake first, whatever. But where do you start? You start. Okay. And this is, again, something that I've done, by the way. Where do you start? You start by solving it for the person who's making the most noise. Okay. That becomes the easiest way for you to come in solve it, show the impact, and make that person your spokesperson next time. And while you do that, you will identify other areas, of course, because now you have credentials backing you. It's not a certification. It's not a webinar. It's not a theoretical PowerPoint presentation that you showed on quality and importance of quality. But now there is a spokesperson who has lived with you, has who you have helped improve the quality of life for, by the way, because now he spends 
less time agonizing about bad data and maybe let's less time trying to fix it by himself and that is a really good place to start now if you don't have that person then go back and ask your boss because he'll definitely know a person because people make noise i i, I love that answer and, and i think thomas would agree that's a really good way of doing it and it, it sounds simplified but once you can show the point of doing it it makes it much easier to do other things too so brilliant Absolutely. and uh, Farah's just commenting here that uh, divide by two is going to be her 2023 mantra for solving life problems <laughs> yeah Farah I appreciate that but remember it's a patch fix <laughs> <laughs> you know I might have a chat with my boss divide by two you know my target I'm dividing it by two. Yeah, divide your worries by two, your agony yeah. by two, your stress by two for, for sure. sure. I'm, I'm going that route. The divide by two brigade started by but my Navneet. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> and Marabi, uh, the topic is very interesting. Sometimes dirty data makes situations become yeah. complicated in the site. Uh, so this was going back to the Oh. Um, spare parts. Uh, we want to clean the data, but our clients need the item codes ASAP. So they're trying to do the yeah. task, but the push and the drive is for speed rather than accuracy. Would that be correct, Marapi? It sounds like it to yeah. me. Uh, I think we've both been in that situation where you're being pushed to do it really quickly when you'll get the better result from taking your time to do it. And it it's a balance, especially when it's a client. And I'm sure you've been in that yeah. situation yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I truly, 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 I empathize with Marupi on this because um, I feel the pain. I feel the frustration because, of course, I can be all theoretical and speak to you guys about all the analogies that I can think of. But when I go to my day job, and then I have to sit down with the client and talk to them about dirty data. They are not going to listen to a one and a half hour webinar, you know, just to entertain me. Of course, they oh, want to know. I do the we... webinar too. <laughs> Why you are? No, but again, you know, you know, it is something very, very apparent, by the way. You can go without seeing it for a lifetime. But once you see it, you just want to fix it. You forget that it's been existing for a long, long time, and which means it will take some due diligence to actually fix it the right way. But now you can't just come in and fix it. But as he said, right, especially for item codes, because this is something, again, that goes into your uh, procurement, your uh, just-in-time manufacturing, and so many other practices that it becomes urgent for you to actually uh, fix that and fill in that gap. And the only reaction that I would have is um, to have a good balance. Of course, you don't want to piss off people just because you, you are an expert on data quality now. But find that balance yourself, what works. What I mean by that is what can you do in the interim with, with a commitment from the leadership that we are actually going to fix it in a more sustainable manner. So yes, maybe today's invoice needs to go out a certain way or the spare part needs to be registered so that there can be a procurement channel initiated for it, uh, for JIT or anything. But you still need to get that commitment that yes, you guys realize that this is an issue and we need to sit down and talk about it and fix it. And then be after that agenda. Don't forget it yourself. I think the worst that happens on data quality is complacency, you know, in a way. Even after fixing it once, the reason why most of the data quality initiatives go the full circle, you know, it's literally lather, rinse, repeat is what I call it. Because the moment you solve it once, you become complacent about it. And then over a period of time, the quality deteriorates because the volume of data continues to increase. The variety and the velocity and uh, veracity of data continues to increase. But your quality operations are stagnant. And then you have to one day sit down and do that whole cycle again because you were not doing it continuously. So don't be complacent. Um, of course, if there is an interim fix that you need to do, do it. 
considering the business urgency around it. But remember to chase it as an agenda next time when you speak with the organization. So would you, going back to your leaking analogy, which I still love, um, in this scenario, you're fixing the leak, i.e. what the customer yeah. needs you to do now, yeah. but that puddle that you then need to clean it's up is great. It's still there. Yes, yeah, so the, the puddle of existing problem is still there waiting to be cleaned, but it's you're doing there. the fixing as you're, as you're going along with that, would that work? Yeah. Uh, will that work? No, for sure. I can I can hands down tell you 100% it won't work. But do you have the capacity? And it could be resource, budget, timelines, whatever excuse people make up, right? Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't work. And, and unfortunately, you'll come back with a worse outcome because that puddle will keep on increasing, right? Because nobody's fixing it and now it is all it's causing molds and other issues in your apartment so well, it actually gets worse mention rats again because the rats kind of freaked me a bit so yeah yeah no no rats only molds this time but yeah i mean that puddle can lead to so many other issues that you may not even be thinking about because you were so so focused on fixing the leak in the short term got you marapi i hope that helps to a degree um, we feel for you because it is complicated. Um, it is a, a simple subject, unfortunately. Um, but we do appreciate you asking. Um, Sanjay, welcome. Uh, Sanjay has a question for you. In your experience, how have you dealt with the hidden data just as you have the ambiguous data and inconsistent data and how to deal with it? Hmm. So hidden data, interesting. Yeah, I know that 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 threw me back a little because I was thinking, what what is hidden data? You know, okay, so here is what it is. For me, the way I understand it, not the hidden part, but just in general data, right? Data is data to begin with, and then there is structured data and unstructured data. Whether it's ambiguous, inconsistent, or hidden, to me, it's data. If it's defined. And if it is stored in a well-defined format, it's structured data. If yes. it is your digital data, your uh, emails, your notepads, your information everywhere, that's unstructured data. That is it. Now, how have I dealt with it? To me, first of all, data quality isn't to ensure that every data should become structured. Of course, there are tools and capabilities that allow you to have unstructured data, of course, in your organizations, in the work that we do, and in the solutions that we build. But the principles of quality essentially remain the same. Consistency for an unstructured data could mean that do I have all printouts the size of A4? And if I don't, then I don't actually can print a contract on it. Or all contracts must be printed on a stamp paper. If it is a contract which is not on a stamp paper, then it is not a viable contract to me. That yeah. is one dimension of quality on unstructured data. Another could be the information that you store in videos and um, photographs and stuff. So to me, that consistency, accuracy, uh, all those dimensions of completeness, et cetera, of quality apply everywhere. And it wouldn't be different. The only challenge not the challenge but i feel the only um only difference between the two structured and unstructured hidden or not or hidden or visible let's go with that is what is visible or what is structured is easier to solve for because you can touch it feel it see it and you know it flows and unstructured or hidden data you'll still need to apply the same principles, but it'll be harder because you have to now set up rules and ground rules for how it should work. But if you think about it, and this is where governments play an amazing, amazing, amazing use case, most of their confidential information is actually unstructured data. And even what they record, let's say through webcams, uh, through the traffic sensors and et cetera, that's also, in a way, all unstructured data. But they do a fantastic job of storing it, in a way, cataloging it to apply the right controls over it 
when they are sharing it within their departments. And that is why they are so strict about that data sharing, because most of what they deal with as the organization of government is unstructured data. And there is actually a very small element of structured data that comes in. But to me, it's a very interesting perspective, which I'm still, you know, sort of building my brain around. Um, how do we bring in the same level of controls for unstructured data as we have for structured data, which I'm assuming should solve our hidden data issues as well. Yes. And I'm assuming hidden data is not the same as dark web or something here, by the way. <laughs> so I I'm assuming it's all, oh, you know. Our webinars. We don't do that. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I hope that answers you, Sanjay. So really uh, summarize on that, the same. Try and mm -hmm. get that conformity across the data sets. And Kristen, hope you've got time to answer this question. We will do that for you, Kristen. No problem at all. Uh, Kristen, we'd like to know, how can I convince my company to see cleaning dirty data as an important investment? And Sanjay's just said, no, it's not the dark web. So... <laughs> Double thumbs up for that. <laughs> so, yes, Christine's question. How can she convince her company to see cleaning as an important investment? Yeah, I think that's a very key question. You know, sometimes we uh, undersell the fact that there are constraints that each organization works with. And that constraint is not only resource or budget, by the way, that constraint could be coming from the literacy and the maturity of the conversation or the organization itself, um, or the stakeholders that you work with, by the way. So, um, and when you're trying to convince your organization on doing data quality initiatives, um, the biggest question you'll need to answer is, what is, in it for them. If you are able to articulate even one reason of how it impacts their life, their day-to-day -day job, their business process, their KPI, their bottom line in terms of balance sheet, you will have a sponsor for sure. But that's where I feel most of the data quality initiatives fail to get a business sponsor and that is where it becomes an IT problem because applying a data quality rule in a database is actually very, very easy. To me to say first names should not be alphanumeric is very easy as a constraint on the database. But it is way harder for me to convince the business user that if I remove the alphanumeric characters from the names, it will give you higher quality of information, which will lead to, uh, let's say, better customer relationship services. It will lead to a better ERP operation. Uh, it will lead to, let's say, better vendor management because your vendors would be standardized. Um, but unless and until you find a business sponsor and you find a business use case that you're going to solve, it is very difficult to convince organizations. And this, by the way, is a challenge that we continue to see every single day in every single conversation that I have, even till date, even after having a sponsor to the entire data governance program that I may be running, to why should I do another data quality initiative and how is it going to prevent what I did last time and lost it? So those are some of the key points that you want to keep in mind uh, to differentiate what are you going to do this time and how are you going to make it all about them so that they are willing to stand behind you. And of course, find the person who shouts the loudest. <laughs> now, um, finding a sponsor, getting that buying from businesses, not just in data, but in very many operational, uh, structural and changes in business. Yeah. That, that is often a key. So thank you for that, Kristen. Find a sponsor, the one that shouts the, shouts the loudest. Couldn't agree with Navneet more. <laughs> Navneet, we have run out of time. What a fantastic yeah. webinar. I Absolutely. so appreciate uh, you joining us today. We'd love to see you back next year if you have time to join with us. Um, it would be really great. Um, it, it's been such fun. Uh, really Absolutely. do appreciate uh, your time and to everybody watching today if you have enjoyed this webinar please do 
uh, sign up on our YouTube page, like and follow us, and we'll be trying to bring more uh, people that like, like them meet, not that there's too many of them, um, <laughs> online to do the webinars. And we're also really keen, if you have a suggested topic of a webinar that you would like us to talk about, please let us know because this is for you. It's hopefully relevant to you. So please, any ideas of topics, uh, you've all got my email address. Uh, I've been emailing you all like mad. So please do ask. And we would love to include your ideas for future webinars. Navneet, thank you once again. And uh, really appreciate the time to all of the audience, all the questions. Thank you so much. And uh, we will hopefully see you at the next webinar. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. And happy holidays, everyone. Have a good break. Come back next year. Solve all the data quality issues. God bless you. And I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited if I get to see you next year. But until then, I think uh, this was wonderful. Thank you so much, Catherine, for doing this. Oh, you're more than welcome. Thank you, Navneet. Bye to everyone. Thank you. Bye.